Holy baby Yoda, Batman. The Gamernode Show still exists. Goodness, you are still here. I'm still here. We're all still here. It's the Gamer Node Show and the incredibly long overdue episode 86 of this Gamer Node Show podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Inzotto, and this is my top 10 sci fi games of all time or of right now. Who knows, it's a very fluid concept, these top tens, as board games go. New games are coming out all the time. And just like science fiction, I don't know, I couldn't think of anything. But anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to run through my top ten sci-fi games. I am actually not the biggest science fiction fan, and there are a few notable absentee games from this list that anyone listening might want to harass me about, I guess. Um, Or maybe you don't care. But the point is, I'm going to have a very interesting, in my opinion, top 10 sci-fi games list because, exactly as I said, I don't necessarily get super, super into the science fiction genre as far as board games go, or really as far as... As far as anything goes, I I am into science fact, into into all types of science, really. I I studied science. I'm very interested in the advancement of human knowledge as far as outer space is concerned. I think it's fascinating the amount that we do not know about what's out there. But I'm taking, in general, science fiction as a genre to mean literally that anything that is science-based, you know, at least to a, to a certain extent, um, everything is science-based. So this is going to have to be themes that are, that are fully recognizable as science fiction, but not necessarily restricted to outer space. So here we go. Let's just start it up. I don't need all this uh, explanation. We'll just talk about it as we go. Okay, so from number nine to number three, I messed up reading the numbers because I was looking at a spreadsheet that had a top row which was numbered row number one. So therefore, all of the rows below it were numbered a number higher than their rank. So anyway, uh, I'm gonna just hope that there isn't a lot of discrepancy in my description and my later pasted in number nine. All right, so kicking things off with number 10, I have Architects. This is a game about building a space base, or at least blueprint planning a a moon base. And you are using all of the same mechanisms that are found in Glenmore. As a matter of fact, it is a re-theme 
and update of the Glenmore mechanisms. Uh, it, the designer, Daniel Cunningham, was extremely forthcoming with saying that he completely ripped off Glenmore and it was an homage. So the way this game works is you're taking tiles, it's a tile laying game, as you go around a circular track with each step on this track being a tile, and the person who is the furthest behind is the next person to take a turn. So you may take many steps forward to choose a tile that you really want, and then the other players can have more turns than you to take tiles up until that point. Of course, it's going to cost them each time that they do that, in, in most cases, at least later on in the game. But you will have gotten the thing that you really want. And also, there's a bonus at the end for having a smaller uh, footprint. But Loon Architects is different from Glenmore in that these are hex tiles, and there are many more scoring methodologies in Loon Architects. So in each game, there will be a different game-end scoring condition based on whether you have your tiles scattered or tight together, or you're making circles, or you're whatever it is, it's going to be variable. And there are also different inter-game scorings because you'll go around the track a bunch of times and you'll have three or four inter-game scorings or intra-game scorings. And that has a different scoring mechanism. So it's really cool. It's a really good re-theme. I think I like it better than the original Glenmore. And unfortunately, it's completely out of print and impossible to get. So let's move on. Number nine. From Garfield Games and designer S.J. McDonald, possibly with development or co-design from Shem Phillips, the designer of the uh, North Sea series. S.J. McDonald himself, I believe, was the lead on the West Kingdom series uh, with Shem Phillips as a co-designer. But this one is Circadian's First Light, which I think is potentially superior to all the games in all those franchises. But in any case, this is a dice worker placement game where you're actually rolling and assigning your dice in secret behind your own screen before revealing it and then using those dice to take actions in the sort of general area where you'll be competing with other players to do various things like get resources, um, get more ships, get more dice, get more farms, go, go exploring the planetary service, and delivering stuff to aliens for points. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very interesting. Sometimes you're losing dice permanently, and then you have to gain more back into your pool. Super interesting, a lot of fun, I like it a lot. It's Circadian's First Light. Number eight is an evolution of what I believe was the first in what's now a long lineage of games, all designed by the same designer where the mechanisms were iterated upon, the formula has been refined, but the one that suits this category is 51st State, The Complete Master Set by Ignacy Chevicek. This is a post-apocalyptic theme, which in itself I think is probably the, the weakest quote-unquote sci-fi, but to get to post-apocalypse, 
there had to be some sci-fi something going on, whether it's geologic or meteorologic or astrobiological, whatever it is. It's, in order to get to post-apocalypse, you had to do something sci-fi to get there. So anyway, we have 51st State, the complete master set. Now this is a card-based game. It's an engine builder, tableau builder, and your cards are multi-use cards. So you're gonna be getting cards into your hand each round, and uh, with each one, you can decide how you're gonna be using it. There are three basic ways. You can use them to make what are called deals, like you're dealing with whoever getting resources round upon round or you can just turn them directly into resources it's called uh, spoils so it's as if you're so each of these cards is like a location so you're either dealing with the people at this location and getting the deal or you're like ransacking the location and you're getting these spoils or you're, you're building, you're constructing the location, and it is providing you with some sort of benefit, whether that's production of resources round upon round, or a passive ability, or an action that you can take by, by placing a meeple there later on, you know, each round, to get some sort of benefit, whether it's a, an item conversion, or points, whatever it is. So you have so many options. And the game features different factions with different ways of converting the basic resources into these action tokens. They're called contact tokens, but each one is able to do one of those three major actions of getting spoils or making deals or constructing locations. And you have all of the choice in the world on how you want to put these actions together and there's no set number of rounds basically the players themselves will kind of determine how the game goes whether they are building their engines for a long time or whether they flip the switch and start running their engine um, each round doesn't have a set number of turns in it it um, is based entirely upon how well you use your resources because each player just keeps taking turns until they pass and if one player is left in the round they just keep taking actions as long as they can because at the end of each round you lose everything that you produced that round and the next round you start with what you're able to produce and it's a really interesting and fun game and the cards are very varied there are ways to like build over your old cards you can attack other players with your, with your red tokens, the same ones that let you raise your locations, let you raise other people's locations. And it's just really interesting each and every time. Plus, there are different expansion decks that you can incorporate into the main deck to make it play out a little bit differently based upon what is available throughout the game and in what, and in what ratio. So that's 51st State, the complete master set number seven so the next game coincidentally is another multi-use card based engine slash tableau builder and this one has also spawned what is now a franchise of games numerous games have arisen from this humble beginning 
it is Tom Lehman's Race for the Galaxy. Race for the Galaxy itself has had, uh, I don't know now, like five expansions. Um, and it is just so, so good. So each card in this game is is one unit of, let's call it currency, but it's also either a planet or a development, which is basically a technology. And you are using the cards in your hand, you're spending some of them in order to play other ones down into your tableau. And the ones that you play will give you benefits later on for the various phases of each round. And these phases are activated by another set of cards that you have and will be using in order to choose what actions you're going to lead on in that round. And each time you choose an action, oh, and this is in secret, by the way, so nobody knows which actions are even going to be available each round. So what, whichever action that you choose to lead on, you're going to get a special privilege, a, a bonus, let's call it, to the action, and then everyone else is going to be able to do a, a basic version of that action. So you're trying to choose the things that benefit you, but not everyone else at any given moment. So each round, you'll be doing a combination of actions based on what you and your opponents have chosen, one of which will have your bonus because you chose it, to either explore for new cards or colonize planets or develop technologies or sell goods off your planets for more cards or consume cards off your planets for points and combinations of things or produce new goods on your planets which again are cards that go onto your planets to then be turned into more cards that go in your hand which then go down into your player area and the thing about it is there are so many different cards with so many different combinations of abilities that each card can afford you in a particular action phase throughout the rest of the game. So you're looking at your cards and figuring out which ones are going to be played, which ones are going to be used as currency to pay for those, and how you're going to develop your tableau to score the most points by the time the game ends, which is pretty quick. That's why it's called Race for the Galaxy. There are game end triggers of exhausting the points or building a combination of 12 planets and technologies. So you've got to get as many points as you can before the game ends, and you're doing it in a number of ways because each of those planets is worth points, each of those techs is worth points, selling the goods is worth points, and some of the cards have points multipliers for having other kinds of cards or whatever. So the game is really interesting, and as you sit there and look at your cards, you're really like puzzling out which route you want to take. And the whole thing is deliciously tactical. So there's, there's definitely some sort of like dopaminergic response to when you're pulling those cards and seeing what you're getting and seeing how they fit into the strategy you kind of have, but you can only really accomplish if you make these tactical pivots throughout. Really cool. I love the game, Race for the Galaxy. Number six is Scythe. Scythe is from Jamie Stegmeier and Stonemeyer Games, and 
I mean, everybody knows Scythe, right? It's super popular. The year it came out, it was the most hyped game. People were scratching and clawing to get their hands on it. The game was played so much. It was always out at game nights. Big game. Looks like a 4X, but plays like a Euro X. <laughs> um, really interesting uh, action efficiency game where there's a variable setup because each player has a different faction with its own special skills, and each player has a unique action board which combines the top row of basic actions with the bottom row of the sort of more advanced actions in different arrangements so that the tops and bottoms are combined with different tops and bottoms on each player's board and each one costs a different type and amount of resource for each different board so each time you play with the combination of your faction board and your action board gives you sort of a different experience plus each faction starts in a different location on the map with different resources nearby and the way that you play really changes the game up for you as well because you are generating resources you are upgrading your actions you're building buildings that give you bonuses you're creating these mechs that give you special abilities and and the capacity to do combat out on the board you're enlisting these sort of arbitrary units that allow you to take these piggyback actions on your neighbors when they take actions. There's there's so much to do. Plus, you're moving all around the board and you're encountering these encounter tokens that give you these choices and you can get goods or money or whatever. You're building up your military. You're increasing this sort of points multiplier that will increase the amount of points you score for each of the various categories for scoring at the end of the game and you're also racing to complete certain goals that are also one of those categories that you'll be increasing the multiplier for so throughout the game you're really trying to plan out your actions in sequence so that you're able to maximize efficiency and do the most to get yourself in a position to increase those scoring parameters the most by the time the game ends on this sort of uh, variable timer that is based on the player's actions. And it's a lot of fun, and, and it has so much replayability because of the way that it starts in a variable way and plays out in a variable way. Really cool. That's Scythe, my number six. Number five. So the next choice, some people will probably hate and others will probably cheer because it's a little different. Um, this one is a decidedly more Ameritrash. <laughs> this one is, it's kind of a combination dungeon crawl and tower defense in a way. Uh, it's zombie side Black Plague. Anytime you got zombies, that's science fiction. So this one happens to also be set in a medieval setting. So it's sci-fi medieval, which is pretty cool. Um, now, zombies are, are way overdone. 
and tower defense generally sucks, to be honest. I, I'm not a tower defense person. But this one is certainly more of a dungeon crawl vibe to it. But what's happening is is these zombies are just flooding this map that you and up to five of your friends are playing on with your different characters, with their different abilities, and you're trying to go from room to room and achieve whatever goal is set forth by the particular scenario, and you're playing through a number of scenarios from from easiest to hardest, and it's just a lot of fun. You're, you're searching for items, you're getting new weapons, you're killing zombies, you are opening new rooms, you're discovering vault weapons, um, you're waiting to see what kind of zombies spawn next round and the next round and hoping it's not the strongest ones and worrying about who's getting attacked and whether you're able to get around these zombies to where you're trying to go or whether you have to kill this group of zombies or you're cheering for someone who just crushed a whole space on the board full of zombies um, you're you're leveling up your character, but you don't want to do it too fast because that increases the difficulty of the game and you really just want to achieve your goals and win and get out of there. And there are so many expansions for the game, tons of different characters who have different abilities as you upgrade from basic to medium to your highest levels and you make your choices and each of those abilities will help you throughout. There are expansions that give you new enemies, there are expansions that give you new heroes, there are expansions that give you new rules to the game. There's just so much to it. And it's it's not like highbrow, but it's super fun. It's simple, the combat mechanics are quick, your turns are quick, and it's it's just fun. It's fun. And you know, you win some, you lose some, and and either way it is equally as enjoyable and memorable. Um, so, Zombicide Black Plague, a lot of fun. Number four is so good. I played it once and immediately said, well, I'm going to have to buy that. And I did. This one's designed by Vladimir Suhi, and it is called Underwater Cities. And this might actually be the newest. I don't know. This one or Circadians is, is the newest on the list. But whatever. This one is a... Okay, so this is a combination of like worker placement action selection because there are actions printed on the main board and you have three turns per round. And uh, each time you go to one of those spaces, you have to play a card at the same time. But each card has its own action that is only triggered if the color on the card matches the color of the action that you've taken on the board and there are three colors and you're trying to decide how to combo and basically you want to you don't want to not get the action on the card but sometimes you have to so you're deciding like how important is taking the action that's printed on the board versus the action on the card do you definitely have to combo and get both actions or is getting the particular action on the board more imperative at this moment because, like I said, it's a worker placement. That action might not be available when you finally do get a card of that color into your hand, your, your meager hand of three cards most of the game. So you've got these decisions every turn, and you're 
playing these cards, you're doing these actions on the board, which are standard, and they're allowing you to build your underwater cities on your personal tableau, which are comprised of the domes themselves and buildings that are on the side. There are three types. Each one gives you a different type of production at the production phase, and each one scores based on diversity. And maybe if you've gotten a scoring card at the end of the game, maybe you are trying to go for some homogeneity in those buildings. Then you've got tunnels that connect them because if they're not connected, the cities themselves don't score or produce in the production rounds. And you're trying to connect the edges of your board to get other bonuses. Meanwhile, on the cards that you're playing, you've got immediate bonuses and then you've got ongoing passive bonuses and then you've got these action cards that only trigger when you go to a particular action space on the board and then you've got endgame scoring cards that give you multipliers for certain things that you've done throughout the game and it's just a phenomenal game um I love how everything comes together. I love the production of resources and all those decisions that come with playing the cards. So that's Underwater Cities. So good. Number three. A has a whole lot of stuff going on in it. And B, it, it was actually the game that my previous game, Underwater Cities, was compared to the most when it came out. So it stands to reason that these two are back-to-back. So, designed by Jay Frixellis and from Stronghold Games has come Terraforming Mars and kind of rocked the board gaming world. This one steadily rose the BGG ranks and was played constantly in the years following its release. Still very popular, still coming out with expansions and just a fantastic game. In this one, Unlike underwater cities, everyone's working on a central board to terraform Mars rather than personal boards to build their underwater cities. But it is also a card-based game where you're building a tableau where some cards are working to do things immediately, others have ongoing benefits, some have endgame scoring benefits, some just have points on them. And you have a bunch of different resources You've got basically three different currencies, two of which are specific to specific types of cards. You've got plants and heat and electricity that turns into heat, and you're using these things to add forests and cities and oceans to the surface of Mars, there upon which you are gathering resources, and you're also sort of competing for for the spatial orientation of those things that you've built so that you can score points at the end of the game that way. And all the while, you're trying collaboratively, in a way, to increase the oxygen percentage and the temperature of the atmosphere of Mars, which in turn sort of activates or or basically makes certain cards viable for play because some cards can only be played at a certain heat level above or below it and some cards can only be played above or below a certain oxygen level so there are early game cards and late game cards and when you're getting cards into your hand 
you have to, at that point, decide whether you even want them because you have to pay it just to keep a card in your hand to give you access to play it later. So there's a long-term strategic element to the game, and it is just so, so good. The interplay of all these systems is wonderful, and um, it definitely, definitely rewards repeat plays, and there's so much to explore within this game. There are so many cards and so many ways to go about attacking this sort of point-scoring opportunity. So Terraforming Mars, basically a classic. Still pretty new, but it, it is... It's an evergreen, and it's not going anywhere. Okay, so my number two sci-fi game is Time Stories. And this is Time Stories, the, the series, let's call it, because it, it all kind of goes together. Now, this one is super cool. So it, it's really hard to talk about, uh, actually. Uh, it's, it's basically an adventure game. Uh, in which you're trying to get through each scenario without running out of time by choosing the correct actions and where to go and who to talk to. And it's a cooperative game, so each player is doing what they think is best and then reading what the game tells them secretly and sort of sharing it with the rest of the players as if, hey, I just experienced this thing and now I'm telling you about it like you would in real life. And each of these games is in a different setting because you play as time travelers with the ultimate goal of doing some particular thing in some particular time period. And, and each one has its own vibe and each one incorporates particular mechanics into one overarching system that is essentially a deck of cards and some dice with with um, special sort of key tokens that help you access different parts of the game at different times and it plays out really very much like a like a classic point and click adventure game and it's super interesting it, there's a, a mystique to it and it's a ton of fun, especially when you experience it from start to finish with the same people. It's, it's really an adventure. And I don't know of any other game that has accomplished something quite like this. The mechanics themselves are really not that amazing. Like, there's, there's nothing, like, super impressive about it. But what is impressive is how the system is used to create specific experiences and key moments in your gameplay session that just make you go, wow, like that was brilliant, so cool. Um, and it's for those moments that this game really shines and stands out and that's why it's my number two and it's something I don't you can't really talk about specifics because anyone who hasn't played it it would be ruined and that would just absolutely suck because some of these some of these uh, scenarios are just so so cool and it does have a connected storyline I, 
I'm not, I haven't finished yet. I still have, I think, one more uh, scenario to go in the main camp, the, the like overarching campaign. But there is a connection between the games, and I'm really excited to see how it, how it uh, ties up. So that's my number two, Time Stories. Just a super interesting and I would say revolutionary game system. Awesome. And finally, my number one, was there ever any doubt? Actually, I think there probably was some, I, probably some people have no idea because right off the top of my head, I can think of like a handful of sci-fi games that many people would consider their number one or two or three. But anyway, my number one is Gaia Project. Oh my God, such a good game. I did the review of it. It's still one of my top ranked games of all time. It's really fantastic. It's a huge game. Um, it's primarily what is it? It's it's primarily network building, um, sort of like territory control and network building. You are playing on an array of planets, each of which is a not not each of which, but they're seven different color planets, and you can only build on your home type of planet. So you have to terraform the ones nearby where you've already begun to build in order to extend out your galactic federation. Um, you're using the resources at your disposal to do that, to build your structures, of which there are five different types. Each one gives you a different sort of income, whether it's ore or money or, or QICs or special ability, whatever it is, each each expansion of your network helps you to build an engine at the same time. Um, there's an element of wanting to sort of rub elbows with your opponents because being nearby, there's sort of a simulated trade mechanic that gives you a reduction of cost when building or increasing power in your sort of power cycle action area. Um, There's so many things you can do on any given turn and each round is comprised of as many turns as you can complete in that round based on what resources you have. And throughout the game you're developing these technologies that will increase your capacity to travel further, to terraform, uh, you can increase your resource generation via technology, and on each of these technology tracks, you will be gaining specific bonuses along the way and reaching point scoring thresholds at certain points. There are round by round scoring bonuses, there are end game scoring bonuses, and some major goals for which you want to perform the best out of all your opponents. So there's a combination of all these things that you need to consider while building out your sort of galactic empire, which is so refreshingly devoid of military conflict that I just, I love it. I, it, it is the most spacefaring feeling game I can think of 
when I think of exploring out into space and creating sort of interplanetary civilization, um, Gaia Project just hits the nail on the head. And I should also mention that each time you play, you're getting a special ability off the bat and a special ability that you unlock and sometimes different income and upgrade parameters that differentiate your gameplay from your opponent's gameplay. So everyone's going to be doing their own sort of special thing in an effort to be the victor, to score the most points in their own special way. And it's just such a good puzzle to strategically approach. And what I really love is the player interaction is immense without there being conflict because of the way that you essentially claim your planets. And once you do, it's yours forever. But you're trying to cut off your opponents to get places that you're both eyeing before one another because if you don't get there then perhaps your plan is ruined like the route that you were taking to expand your network was just cut off and you have to figure something else out so you're really watching other players and thinking about what they're trying to do and making sure it doesn't interfere with what you're trying to do because of course you're trying to be the best and Gaia Project is the best <laughs> my number one sci-fi themed game that's it and I'm really curious to know who at this point hates me for leaving out Twilight Imperium and Eclipse and what else Black Angel and I guess Roll for the Galaxy I did race it's good enough um, so the one that I actually think would be on my list just from what I know about it is New Frontiers which is the Race for the Galaxy board game version. It's a little bit more strategic and less tactical and I'm really excited to play it and hoping to get it soon. But I mean there are so many sci-fi games. So many to love. I love the ones that you love. I love that you love the ones that you love even if I don't love the ones that you love and I hope you love that I love the ones that I love even if you don't love the ones that I love. <laughs> And with that, I think we're going to end it. Thanks for listening. As usual, please continue to keep your fingers crossed that I'll be releasing more episodes at a more frequent pace. Um, I thank you for keeping me in your subscription feed if I'm still there. Check out the YouTube channel for any reviews I've done and will be doing. And if you want, give me some likes, some thumbs up, some subscriptions a review on, on Apple Podcasts, maybe a five-star, maybe a three-star, maybe a one-star, whatever. Just uh, whatever you want. Or just listen. I don't care. It's fun. I'm glad that I was able to make this podcast, and I hope I can make some more, and I hope somebody out there is enjoying it. As always, thanks for listening. I'm Eddie Inzato. Until next time, have fun out there. Mm-hmm.